Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us for Sunday Morning Kingdom at Kingdom Life. Blog Talk Radio. Mind if I testify 
Tell you of the goodness of my Lord Share some of what he's done for me How he's opened up so many doors You may look at me from the outside And think I got here on my own But there's no way that you could ever know how much grace and mercy I've been shown. Oh, if you look into my eyes, you see. Life has tried to get the best of me. But I know the giver of life personally. He's the reason that I sing his name, Jesus. And he loves me. And I know this because he died. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to partake in your communion today, Lord. Father, we ask that you continue to break bread with us, Lord Father, and show us your light, Lord God. Father, we thank you for each and everything that you have given us, Lord Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, God. Father, we thank you for the mindset you have given us to repent, Lord Father, from the ways that we once knew and to walk upright with you, Lord God. Father, we thank you and bless you right now in Jesus' name, Lord Father. By the authority that Jesus has given us, Lord Father, we accept our purpose and our promise, Lord Father, of eternal life, Lord God. And we thank you and ask that you please continue to open up our eyes, Lord Father, to our shortcomings, our faults, and our mistakes, that we may truly see you for who you are, Lord God. Father, we ask that you continue to give us wisdom, Lord. We pray for wisdom, Lord God, that we may understand 
your scriptures and what you're saying directly to us, Lord Father, and as it as it encompasses the whole church. Father, redefine us as the church, Lord Father, and we thank you, Lord, and ask that you please continue to allow us to walk, Lord Father, with you, Lord Father, not in front of you, and Lord Father, just as you walk with us, that we're heirs to the throne of Christ. Father, we bless you right now, Lord God. Like never before, we love and honor you, Lord. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. I'd like to welcome everybody to Kingdom Awareness Radio. I'm your host, Pastor Mark Fields, and I just appreciate each and every one of you on the line and, and everyone here that, that's uh, listening to the, the Word of God as we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to walk with us. You know, I saw something that I wanted to share, and I just came across it, um, and the Holy Spirit quickened me just to let me know about this scripture. We're going to continue, but I want you to see something that's in here that, that like I said once before, I've never seen it like this or viewed it like this. And it's in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And that, that's, by the way, that's what Jesus' name is. When people say Jesus' name, if you, if you understand what that means, it means by the authority of Jesus, but by the authority that Christ has given us. So I'm going to continue. And it says in Luke 10, 18, And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by sh shall any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It is in that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed, for so it seemed good in thy sight. I'm going to stop right there for a quick second just, just to show you that some of the mysteries that people continue to seek, they're too, uh, uh, they're too well versed to see it. They're, they're, they're doctorate degrees and their titles and their positions and their stances on, on world and God, and it, it causes them to be blinded because they can't see the simplicity and the truth of God because they're too busy walking high-minded. Like he said in the beginning of this, I beheld Satan as he fell as lightning. Now, some of these people start walking into, into these, the, the, these things that they believe God is giving them, but as the scriptures continue to reveal over and over again, that is not so. I'm going to keep going. And Luke chapter 10, 22, and it says, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. So, so he's saying, blessed are your eyes because you see things that nobody else sees. And it says, for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, 
saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, said unto him, what is it written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. Now, now here's where I'm talking about where it starts getting good. He said, But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus. He, he, he trying to justify himself to Christ. And he said, Who is my neighbor? Now, watch Jesus answer. This, and, and you got to see this. This is good. It says, and Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Now, this is a priest. This is someone that's supposed to, to hold God's word. This is someone that's supposed to hold the truth of God. But he passed by the other side. And in that, if we look at what's going on today, the people of God are, are the, the, put it this way, the priests are fleecing the flock. There is scripture after scripture that's continuing to be read, and it, it, it extorts money from people, but they justify it because of the standards that they're looking at it from. And in verse 32, it says, And likewise, the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And when he went, he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave it to the host, and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now which of these, thinkest thou, was thy neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Now, now, and Jesus said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do likewise. I wanted to point this, these things out real quick, because this is where we're losing things. See, we have become so encompassed and wrapped up into only loving people that look just like us, only the people that wear the cloth, only the people that's in the same church, only the people that, that looks like us, that we feel that have our own identity, are the same ones that's walking by us when we're in need. But it took someone that was not expected to do anything for him, took care of him. Now, now but Jesus said, this is your neighbor. This is your neighbor. While we're so willing to pass by certain people and so willing to snub our nose up at certain people because they don't listen to the same things or believe the same things that we believe, it was someone that you least expected is considered your neighbor. So while we're overlooking these certain people, we're not doing exactly what the will of God said. And it comes to me to, to, today uh, about ministering about the state of being. The state of being means exactly where you are, exactly what you have, exactly the will of God, exactly the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17 and 22, it says, And when he was gone forth unto the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, 
what shall I do that may I that I may inherit eternal life? Now there are many people that are bowing down in front of Christ. There are many people that's professing to be with Christ. There are many people that say that they belong to the kingdom of God. There are many people that that say that they display the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you that you need to be careful with, around the people that you believe look like you. Now, now what this is saying. Now, put, let me stop right here for a second. I heard it. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I did hear it, and it kind of made sense. It said, the person told me, you know, Bill Gates has enough money to give everyone in the world a million dollars and still have plenty left over. And I thought about that. I said, wow, that's a lot of money. And But even though economists say if he did that, it would upset the economy, so that would be Bill Gates' excuse not to do it. But now let's look at the people that, call, that we call the church. There is enough money in the people that we call church for everyone that's a part of the church to be blessed with millions of dollars or more, and it will still be money in certain people's bank accounts. But they'll never do it. It'll never be done because they're saying, now let me tell you how the eyes are blinded on people, because they'll say that that's not God's will. They'll tell you that um, God gave this money to them to be rich. They'll tell you that that um, that they got this money because they sold into someone else that had money, and they in turn it, it, it blessings came down. And I'm telling you, all that is a bunch of hogwash. This is not true. Because if you have a rich person um, standing in in one spot and a poor person standing right next to him, and you had money and you took the money and gave it to the rich man because the rich man was telling you something, then I tell you that you're out of order. Because what purpose would that be? What, what, what would that fulfill? That you're buying knowledge of God? And when the Bible says that, that you, um, the person that's ministering to you, that you should give them your material blessings, it doesn't mean that they're supposed to live greater and more abundantly than anyone else is living. It means to meet their needs. If they have a need, then it's needed with the material things. It doesn't mean that, that it's your obligation to support a lavish lifestyle. But we're going to see that in scriptures today. Uh, Mark 10, verse 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou have, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up a cross and follow me. And when he was and and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved because he had great possessions. Now it wasn't the fact that Jesus was telling everybody here on 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 um, that belongs to the kingdom of God to go sell everything and take care of your uh, to, and, and give. The money to the poor. What Jesus knew about this man right here is that he loved his possession greater than he loved Christ. He didn't want to pick up the cross and follow Christ. He didn't want to be content with what he had. He wanted more. So greed overtook him. Greed overtook him and he could not see the love that Christ was giving him already. See, many of us have displayed the same naive value that this man has displayed in the face of Christ. This man regarded his possessions greater than what it was desiring the true riches that Christ bought. 
every message Jesus preached about money is about balance. I'm going to say that again. Every message Jesus preached about money is about balance. It never, Jesus never said that I want you to get rich, nor did anyone sow into Jesus' life. No one gave Jesus, and he was the greatest teacher that there ever was. But yet we can't find anyone in there sowing into Jesus into him, his ministry, or anything else. Now, I'm not saying don't sow into anybody's ministry. Don't take it wrong. I'm not saying don't sow into the man or woman of God that's teaching you correctly about what it is to have eternal life. But what I am saying is that some of us, what we do is we request funds when there, there is no need. And think about that. If you don't have a need, why are you asking people to give to you when there is no need? Because it's not saying that, that you can't give to a person just to help them support their need. And the Bible is not saying that you're supposed to go out and live a, a lavish lifestyle while other people continue to support that lifestyle. That's not what it says. You're gonna, it's going to be something in here today. It's not about becoming rich, but by being rich using the standards of God. You got to see the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, God gave the, the, the children of Israel earthly promises, and that's all in the Old Testament. He gave them earthly promises, and there are many people in the Old Testament that had wealth. But then when it came to the New Testament, as we're going to read, it, it says in the Bible, and we're going to read it, it says that there is a greater promise than of old. There are greater promises. Than what used to be. See, and a lot of people, I talked to someone just yesterday, and they said that um, you're, you're, it sounds like you're preaching or ministering from a position of poverty. And I said, no, it's not a position of poverty. It's a position of wisdom. And he said, that's the same thing that they told me when I tried to minister the same thing. They said, you're, you're speaking to it from a poverty point of view. So, while, while many seek to become rich, it's because they have counted the worldly treasure a far better, better quest than seeking and pleasing God. They, they want you, they, the, Satan has deceived people to go out and seek wealth, go out and build wealth, go build wealth, build wealth. Wealth is not something that, you, that you're supposed to build when it comes to the kingdom of God. See, you have to look at it. Other people associate serving God with getting rich. But as you can see, as we're going to read in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 3 to 10, that's not the case. But yet we disregard scriptures. We disregard what Jesus said about the rich man. We disregard what Jesus said about riches. We disregard the more weightier things that Jesus told the men and women of God that they should abide by. We disregard those things and, and say that God wants us to have, and, and, and this, that's true. That's a very true statement. God does want you to have, but, but as you're going to see today, your definition of having is not the same definition that God said have. See, you can tell by their mindset and the arguments that they present that they're still looking and judging God through a worldly standard. See, when I was speaking to that person um, I, they, they, they believe that God wants us all to be rich. That's, that's, that's what the comment was. God wants us all to be rich. I've heard from Joel Osteen to all these other preachers that's on television that preach prosperity and say God wants us to be rich. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. God wants us to be rich. But that's true. 
But as I said last week, what child looks in their parents' bank account to find out what they can get? They don't do it. They just simply ask for something, and if it's in the will of the parents, the child gets it. But if it's not in the will of the parents, the child doesn't get it. So, so you have to ask yourself, what's the motive that you're asking? See, and there's a question that's been nagging me for the last week. And the Bible says, or I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit revealed to me this question. Who told you that you were poor? Who told you that you were poor? Now, now there, there's a young lady, Deborah Anders, and I hope she doesn't mind me, me using her name because let me tell you what awesome was what she said. She said, you know, my mother raised me with three girls, and, and, and we had no idea that we were poor. I, I couldn't tell that I was poor. And then she said that, that um, one day when she started making some money, she went out and bought herself a pair of jeans. And this was the first pair of jeans she bought. She got excited, and she thanked God. She says, but they was already in the will of God. No one, she never knew that she was poor. She said, and then she wished she can go back and close her eyes to what she now sees. I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. Because what it is is we judge the world standard of wealth against the word of God and believe that we're supposed to have the same thing that the world has. And I'm telling you, that's not what the standards that it says. So, so I asked him, did he know what God's standards was for being rich and being blessed? Did he know what it meant or what it even looked like? His statement was having lots of money, able to buy the things he needed or wanted, and not worrying about his bills. After all, God will give you the desires of your heart, right? Wrong. When the desires of your heart line up with what God's will is for you, you'll have what you ask. The same way as a child to a parent. Well, if it's the parent's will for you to have something, then there is no problem with them giving it to you. But see, we're trying to uh, judge the word of God through a worldly standard. We try to judge the kingdom of God with a kingdom that's already here on the earth. We try to judge the standards of God by what some things that's happening in, in other countries and things like that. And that's not the standard of God. That is not the standard of God. See, what happens is... It, if we ask and is consumed upon uh, an extravagant wish list or lustful living or, or, or wrong motive, then you'll never be in agreement with God. See, the problem is many of us have been living so long in excess. <clears throat> We've been living so long throwing things away, wasting food, uh, um, buying clothes and not wearing them, uh, uh keeping our money things to ourselves and saying that God doesn't want us to help anybody else. We've been living so long in excess, we no longer see ourselves as blessed, rich, or wealthy. We can't see that standard that Jesus came to give us because we're too busy trying to judge the word of God against a worldly standard. We have used the world standard of wealth so long that it dictates to us what wealth is supposed to look like. When she made that comment about her mother taking care of them and she had no idea what poor meant, it struck a nerve because I had been reflecting on this for about a week, week and a half now. So, so my question is still, who told you that you are poor? And should you be judging your wealth by the standards of the worldly wealth? But I tell you this, there are more people turning away from church. That's right. There are more people turning away from church because they see the, the, the financial positioning 
of the pastors and the leaders that are, are, are supposed to be in charge of them. And I'm not meaning in charge, meaning like the Gentiles ruled over the people, as the Bible said. But people are turning away because they're disgusted. Because you got some people eating spam and other people's eating steak. I've been in ministries, and me being a pastor, you, they said, come on up here and sit down and eat prime rib with us. And I looked down at everyone else and was eating hot dogs. So I chose to eat hot dogs with everyone else. Because just because I minister the word of God, there was no reason that my food should be any different than anybody else's. Paul said that he was content with having and not having. That means that there's a balance. He was content with it. When you look at Proverbs chapter 10, uh, verse, uh, what is it, Proverbs chapter 10, I believe it's verse uh, 15 or 17. Um, I think it's 15. And it says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city and the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now, there's another Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 30. Um, I think it's 27, 25 to 27, somewhere in there. And it says, Lord, please don't make me too rich that I may forget you and what you said. And also, Lord, don't make me too poor that I may steal and break the commandments because I'm hungry. There's a balance. But that's not what, that balance means that if I have food to eat, then I should be content with what I'm eating. This is good stuff. And, and, but we have to see what we're judging it against. We're judging that standard against worldly wealth. So when we use the world as a guide, we lose sight of what God's wealth truly is supposed to encompass. It's supposed to encompass our eternal salvation. It's supposed to encompass our life. It's supposed to encompass our day. It's supposed to encompass our breath. It's supposed to encompass everything. See, we have allowed yesterday's luxuries and treasures to become today's necessities. And what I mean by that, we got so used to excess, microwaves, cell phones, big screen TVs, that now we cannot live without those things. And when those things are, are gone from us, we suffer because we're so used to having those things. This is good stuff. I'm telling you, you, you got to get this. Because we've allowed those same luxuries that we grew up with to define our culture. We have used those luxuries and those treasures to define God's definition of wealth. We have taken words like blessed and, and, and rich and wealth and turned it into a worldly standard of money. Those words are acts of love, prosperity, abundance. Those are acts of love. They're not an act of, uh, of get rich quick, but they, we take that as ministers as it's okay for us to preach give me money messages because I can use the scriptures to back up my definition of wealth, even though it's not God's definition, it's the world's definition. I've even heard one of the um, uh, pastor over a mega church, he said, that if Jay-Z can have a Bentley, then so can I. If Jay-Z can live in a mansion, then so can I. And I started to think about this. I said, how blind does he have to be? Because any time and anything that's done in excess is a sin. We all can agree on that. So, so that means if your main function is trying to hoard or build up treasures on earth, read the scriptures. Read what Jesus said. See, anything beneath that worldly measurement is seen as lack or poverty. Anytime you preach a message that said, even in the even though the Bible says take care of your family first, 
And that's the Bible, that's scripture. It says, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. You're worse than an unbeliever. But we're so quick to run and sow where there's no need. And, 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 and we're, we're, it's just out of order. It is really out of order. See, our possessions should be counted as nothing to us. We should be willing to walk away from anything at any time. That's what we should be willing to do. And God knows over the years I've been tested in that same manner. If I have a need, I, of course, I ask for the need. And But just because I lack in an area, it does not mean that God is not in my life. See, that faulty premise says that, that God wants us all to be rich. So then I can say that all rich men know God. And we well, know that's not true. But then I also can take it a step further and say that those that know the kingdom of God are rich. Yes, they are, absolutely. But is that worldly wealth or kingdom treasure? If you think it's worldly wealth, then no. But if it's kingdom treasures, then you're absolutely right. Let's take this premise even a step further. Let's say that all poor people don't know God. Can we honestly make that statement? Or let's go this way. People that are poor don't know God. You can't make those assumptions because God is not going to be mocked or to be a liar. So if you can't make those assumptions, then you can't take the whole premise and say God wants everyone to be rich. Financially rich and talk about far as with worldly wealth. Because you're not supposed to gauge your spirituality, your wealth, your finances, anything off of worldly standards. Yes, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. No one said that you can't have. No one said that you can't have nice things. But those things should not define you because they're gone. If something is missing, then it shouldn't. Oh, my God, the, the cable is out. People have a fit. Uh, people will go home and, and drive 100 miles an hour if they left their cell phone home. But I remember a time that we didn't have cell phones. And if you didn't, if you needed to get in touch with me with an urgent message, either you passed the message on to someone else to tell me or you waited until I got the message. See, the real treasure for the church, which is the people of God and the kingdom of God, rests in the reign of God. I said the real treasure for the church rests in the reign of God. We need to grab hold of the true meaning of riches and see how it far surpasses the riches of the world. See, I often ask this question. If God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then what else do you need? What else do you feel that you're lacking? See, we don't see ourselves in a state of being. We don't see ourselves in a state of already having because we're too busy looking for what we can get. And we say that we don't, but we, we sit back and do this. Now, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the, father, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abide forever. So we need to see some of these things and, and, and see them for what it really is. See, Ephesians chapter 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, the Bible also says that, 
there are certain people and prophets that died and, and did not see the promise. They did not. They didn't yet get to experience the promise. But yet we're constantly running and chasing, saying, we got the promise of Abraham on our life. We have the promises of Abraham. We got the promises of this, and we got the promise of that. But when you start to look at it in that thing as a material thing, you just lost your spiritual connection. You have to see about Matthew chapter 13 and 22, where, where Christ spoke and says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. Even though it looks like these people are gaining in abundance, that they're close to God, they really don't know how far away from God they're actually walking. See, Mark chapter 10 and 23 also says, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God? Because of this same premise, this same, this same uh, argument that Jesus said. Think about this. Sell all your things and give it to the poor. You, 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 do you see? Man, put it this way. If you had $10,000 in the bank, all your bills are paid. Everything is owned. You own everything. And someone came up, to, and also you knew you had a residual income coming in every month. And that residual income is enough to take care of your needs. God has blessed you enough for you to have that. And someone came up to you and said, I need $9,000. And it's going to get me and my family out of debt. Um, we can start living, though, according to the way we will. And we've been going to debt classes so we won't get back into the same debt again. And we've been doing the right things. We're trying to save money, but it's difficult because we're spending all our money because we didn't know any better and got into all these high interest loans. But $9,000 would clear it all out. And you have 10. Would you give them the nine? Now, that's a personal question you have to ask yourself. Would you give them the nine? There are so many people who I've talked to, pastors. I'm not talking about just people that that didn't have a desire to be a bishop, a pastor, or, or anything else because we're all kings and priests. But, but those that consider themselves in leadership, I've went to them and said, hey, there's a family in need. Can you sow with me into this person's life so that they can have money? Don't you know that some people said, I have to hear from God first? Well, God already told you in the scriptures that you're supposed to give. He said you're supposed to give to the needy and give to the poor and don't charge interest and don't ask for it back. That's, that's the word of God. But yeah, how many people out there say, well, I got to hear from God. And then when their heart is hardened enough to say that they won't do it, they blame it on God. God, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to do that. But God's word did tell you to do that. See, we have to get this thing to the point where we understand and see exactly what it means for us to, to what, what position should we look at wealth. See, there are two keys to knowing God's will for any given situation. Make sure that you're asking or considering doing something that lines up with God's word. You can't go wrong. So, so when you pray and what you ask for, if it's doing the will of God or glorifying God, it'll help you grow spiritually and you'll get what you ask for. There are more people that get what they ask for, ask for when, they, when they go to God and say, Lord, I have a desire 
to help this family. It has happened to me. I'm telling you, I've prayed, Lord, that there's a person in need, and I really would like to bless them. I don't have any money right now to bless them. Please, Lord, find a way that this person gets some money. Then all of a sudden, I, I look in the mailbox or someone walks up to me. At that particular, somebody came up to me and said, here, hey, I want to give this to you. What were you giving this to me? I don't know. The Lord just told me to sow this to you. Oh, my God, you know what I did? I took it and went and gave it right to the person. And not, But the next week, something else came in. That's how the, the blessings continue to go because my heart wasn't after the things what I can have. I love spam, by the way. I like spam and eggs. I know it may not be good for me to eat it every day, but every once in a while, spam and eggs taste good to me. I love a good hot dog. It mine don't have to be steak and shrimp all the time. I like a good steak, too. But you have to understand that, that what you're asking for, it has to be in good motive. First Timothy chapter 6 and 3, it says, If any man teach otherwise and is consistent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to his godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but dotting about questions and strife of words, whereby, whereof cometh envy, Strife, revelings, evil ceremonies, perverse disputing of men of corrupt mind, destitute of the truth, supposing that godliness is gain. From such withdraw thyself. And that's as plain as it can get. So when people come to you and begin preaching to you and telling you that, that you're supposed to gain with God, you're supposed to have financial blessings, you need to really check yourself and find out, is that God's will? Or are you designing your words to fit the worldly standards and trying to justify, like the lawyer did when we just read in Luke, justify in the face of Christ? Because God is not saying that you can't have nice things. God says that there is a balance. Because if your wealth continues to consume you, then you'll forget what God said and everything becomes yours instead of God. You can say, oh, this belongs to God, and God bless me with this, but then where's your heart at if someone needs? If someone is in need, where's your heart? Are you willing to give even though you know you may be down to your last um, $10, $20, but all your needs are met? Are you willing to still give even if you know that tomorrow you'll be getting uh, some more money in and someone needs that money today? Would you be still willing to give? If not, you should check your motives. See, because the Bible says store up not treasures on earth. That means don't store up things where it says where moss and rust corrupted. It says don't do it. But yet we always look to hoard something, to hold on to something for ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about set your children up with something that you can open up a trust fund that they can use when they're 18 years old. That way they can go to college or, or, or buy a car or something like that. That's, that's smart. That's reasonable because those things your children are going to need. But if you believe that you're sitting on $6 million, $7 million, $8 million is God's will and you're not doing anything with it, you're not, oh, well, I, I sold $50 last week. Um, like, like most people say, well, I give the charity. I know y'all heard that one with some of these billionaire celebrities. Oh, I give the charity. I give a million dollars a year. I understand that. But if you're making $60 million a year, and you're only giving one million a year, then something is off. Because you can't take it with you, and once you die, believe it or not, your family's going to fight over it. That happens more than, more, more than I like to care about. Um, when people die, 
People fight over the possessions of the dead. That's why the Bible says you can't take it with you. But it says that, for we brought nothing into this world, and I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, I know also know people that live on the streets. I know some people that said that walked away from wealth. They said they never felt free. And then I read somewhere and said, it's a job just to keep up with your money. I've talked to rich people. I have rich friends. And they say, you know, you have to watch your back when you have money because you have family members that will come out the woodwork and ask you for it. Well, if they need it, why, wouldn't you, why would it be a problem for you to get it? Give it to them. Well, because this is mine. And they have to work for theirs because the Bible says a man that don't work don't eat. But there are certain situations where people may not have known the right way to do things, and myself included. I, I remember where I've gotten myself so jacked up with loans and things like that, thinking that I needed the things at the time that is affecting the long term of my family. That's the way it was doing. But then God started giving me opportunities and ways that I can get out of that debt. If you live within your means, it looks like you have a million dollars. I promise you that. Now, Proverbs 15, we talked about a rich man's wealth is his strong city and the destruction of the poor is their poverty. When you live in poverty, you, you, there are people out there that says, and I've seen this before, there are people out there that says, well, I'm going to steal because I'm hungry. I remember back in Philadelphia, if you would steal something from the supermarket and you go in front of the judge and tell the judge that you were hungry, they would dismiss the case. But then so many people were going there stealing that and weren't hungry because people were selling the meat. In Romans chapter 12 and 2, it tells us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. That's important right there. It says you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will simply by the renewing of your mind. But see, if your mind is still trapped and caught up with the, the, the worldly standard of wealth, then you're only going to see God's will as the worldly standard. Do you, you follow me? That's the way that you're going to see it. You're not going to see the simplicity of salvation and eternal life that Jesus came and gave us as the true riches you should be seeking. See, it says you'll, you'll be able to approve what is God's will, his good, his pleasure, his perfect will. See, the only decision God doesn't want us to make is the decision to sin or resist. He doesn't want you to sin or resist his will. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to make choices. He wants you to choose your wife. He wants you to do that. He wants you to go out and, and, and find out what you need and, and, and make sure you pray and, and give glorify God about what you have. And if you don't have it, it may not be the will of the Father. So how are you going to know what's God's will for you? You got to study and walk closely with God. 
truly desiring his will for your life. The kingdom of God is God's royal reign and rule in your life. That's what the kingdom of God is. Now, you can fix up the kingdom of God. You can try to delight yourself in, in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart with wrong motives. In Psalm 374, won't ever speak. Um, it won't speak to you. See, when you truly seek God with the humble, you know what? Let's do it this way. How humble is it? How humble is it for a man of God to live above their knees? Above their knees. There was a bishop here in Atlanta, and I admired him for what he did. He came on television, and he said he was living in a $2 million mansion, and he realized one day, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, that it was just too much for him. That, that he became um, he became something that was against the word of God. So what he did was sold it, got something smaller, and gave the excess to, to the poor. Because he said, there is no way that God's desire for me to live in this $2 million mansion when there's so much homeless going on in the street today. Now that's humility. Then I can still live in a, a, six, a, a $6 million mansion and there's people that's in my congregation that can't afford to pay rent. And I'm still telling them that it's blessed of them if they give me money. Do you really believe that's the will of God? Think about that. If I'm living in a six, seven million dollar mansion and there are people in my congregation that can't even afford to pay rent and I'm telling them that it's God's will for them to sow into my life even though I don't need it, do you really believe that's God's will? Or is that the will of a prosperity preacher? See, there are certain things, and I'm almost done, there are certain things that we have to start to see uh, about what's taught. See, the message of the Bible in the kingdom of God is in direct contrast, uh, sorry, in direct contrast with what prosperity preachers are saying. They're telling you to get more for yourself. And, and guess what? Jesus told us in Luke 12, 33, that be content with what you have. Jesus told us to get rid of what you already have. You may have too much. The prosperity preachers are telling us that God wants us to be rich. But Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 6 and 9 said, guess what? If, if you desire that, you're going to fall into temptation. Who's right? Do you also think about how, how they, they tell us that not to be content with what we have, to continue to go for more, to continue to strive for more. And there's a little twist, there's a kicker they put in there. Strive for more so that you can give more. But you'll have too. Now, if your motive is right and you strive for more so that you can give more, of course that lines up with the kingdom of God. But in Hebrews chapter 13 and 5, it tells us to be content with what we have. There are people telling us that God wants us to have the best that this world has to offer. But John told us that we shouldn't love the things of the world, just as we just read. We, this is good stuff. You, you have to start seeing yourself for what you already have. Christ said that he has given you the power over the enemy. I give you power over the enemy. That you may tread on serpents and defeat sin and death. That's your true blessing. 
James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. It says, From whence comes wars and fighting among you? Come they hence not of your own lust that you war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have. Ye cannot obtain, ye fight in war, ye have, yet ye still have not, because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, they are they may be consumed upon your own lust. That's that's how that's what we do. That's that's how we think about it. Even in Mark chapter eight, thirty four thirty eight, it says, And when we and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples and said unto him, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Let me stop for a second. Why do you think the disciples are so willing to die? Because Jesus gave them an eternal promise, a treasure that will never wax old, and that was eternal life. Were the disciples rich? It doesn't mention it. You'll have some that say, well, you can't tell they weren't. And then they'll go to scripture and say, see, the scripture says that you're supposed to give to the person that's teaching you. Yes, if you need it. If you need it, yes, then people are to give to you. But if it's just so you can buy a pair of uh, $2,000 shoes and wear $2,000 suits, then I'm telling you, your motives are wrong. Just look at the word of God. And the Bible says, for what shall a man profit that he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man exchange, give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when the cometh of the glory of his fathers with the angels. We have to see that we have missed something. We have missed something to the point that it does not work with us any longer. We no longer can sit there and sit back and try to hold on to the worldly standards and, and believe we have God too. It just doesn't work. We have to see and understand that to truly be blessed, to truly be blessed, we have to follow the will of God and the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to just seek your face right now, God. We ask that your message go through to people, Lord Father, and they, they start to truly understand what it is that you want. Let us no longer judge your wealth, Lord Father, by the wealth of the world. Father, we bless you, Lord, and we love you. We honor you and thank you for this word tonight. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Anyone have any questions or any comments? Any questions or any comments? The phone lines are open. Any questions or comments? I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. I really encourage everyone to listen um, to the scriptures and, and go back and study and try to find out exactly what it means. Because we need to understand the love of Christ and what it did for our life. We have no greater love than Christ Jesus, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice ever made to man. Realize what you already have in Christ. Realize who you are. See yourself as having. Don't see yourself as lack. See yourself as what you have. Look at it from a different perspective. 
I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. And I'll see you Sunday at 12 noon. God bless you and good night. Some of what he's done for me How he's opened up so many doors You may look at me from the outside And think I got here on my own But there's no way that you could ever know How much grace and mercy I've been shown Oh, if you look into my eyes, you see Life has tried to get the best of me But I know the giver of life personally He's the reason that I sing His name